our number one IMDb review for this movie comes by way of Kate Burns from February 2013. This one is this is called Romance, Comedy, and Tears, all in one film. A little bit of heaven. It's got romance, comedy, and tears. No Oxford comma. This film gives you mixed emotions all the way through. With the amazing actors, Kate Hudson, Gail Garcia Bernal, who play the main characters, they do an amazing job at portraying how live is like with a terminal illness. <laughs> how live is like. Um, it really does touch your heart. This film shows you that whatever happens in life, you have to live it to the full. And don't t- take live for granted. I have recommended this film to my friends and family who have also said the film was emotional and funny. I recommend this to all of you reading this. And currently I have rated this 10 out of 10. You will all caps love it. I think you were reading it wrong because maybe we're... This is like one of uh, Gail Bernard Bernal's distant cousins. So yeah. it's all about living life to the fullest. Oh, it was written by Kate Barantz, 13, which is Kate yeah, Hudson. Well, she's married. Name. There's, there's yeah. no, no way of us knowing what her surname is. So she says this is a accurate portrayal of what it's like to live with a terminal illness. You don't ever act like you have a terminal illness apart from episodes where you pass out and are ill. And you fuck your doctor. 100 Rotten Movies, worst we can find. Is there any hope left for man? Pray for our souls and pray for our minds. On we must go, the rotten redeemer. All right, hello and welcome to Rotten Redeemers, <laughs> episode three. This week we're doing the fabulous film a little bit of heaven oh it was fabulous yeah that's how i felt i felt like i was receiving a little bit of heaven <laughs> directly into my veins um, oh yeah. <laughs> the uh 2011 film which apparently was made in 2011 but didn't actually come out till 2012 um pg-13 runtime an hour and 46 minutes it is a comedy slash drama slash fantasy according to imdb which is a funny <laughs> And stupid way to uh, put this one up. Yeah, so this is number 98 on the 100 worst films of all time, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Released yeah. May 4th, 2012. David, do you know nice. what was it? Do you know? Um, so it came out uh, May, May 4th, 2012. It opened at number 74 Ooh. that weekend. Jeez, man. It must not have had any press. I feel like it's the only reason it's on this list. Yeah, so it came out, it made $10,000 its opening weekend. I would pay to go see this in the theaters right now. Well, maybe not right now, right now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is it, worth catching a, is it worth catching a virus <laughs> that will kill you? Um, but yeah, it made ten grand its opening weekend. It only grossed sixteen grand its entire runtime in the oh, United States. Man. It did end up making $6 million worldwide. That's wild, but that, though. Yeah, that means its domestic domestic box office was only 0.2% of the total amount of money it made. So less than 1% Jeez, of the rough. money this movie made was in America, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fucking fascinating. Oh, man. Would you like to guess why? Because I think our next little segue will give us quite a bit of insight as to why. Um, so this movie opened May 4th, 2012. Would you like to guess what the number one movie May 4th, 2012 was? Had to have been like Avengers. <laughs> it was the Avengers. A little, <laughs> a little, a little, a uh, little engine that could indie film oh. known as the Avengers. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and this, this movie. I got like, one. That's my first yeah. answer I've got. Nice. Yeah, that was a brilliant. A good job, man. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, the Avengers opened that same weekend. They're like, yeah, sure. Let it out then. <laughs> sure enough, it made 10 grand. Um, would you like to guess what the number one song at the time was? I'm going to have to pass. I'm horrible at this game. Oh, okay. Would you like to guess what the number two song at the time was? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this helps. Let's see. Was it a country <laughs> song? No, they were both shitty like alt-rock songs by effeminate white dudes. Mm. Oh, wait. Um, one of them, a Maroon 5 song? Oh, Maroon 5 was on the rock charts. Okay. Very high at the time, but they were not on the Hot 100. Okay. Number one song on the Hot 100 when this movie came out was Somebody That I Used to Know by Goat Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't have guessed that one. But that one draws. What was number two? I think you can guess number two. Was it uh, 
It's probably a rock song. It's one of the most annoying fucking songs ever made. And I wouldn't call it a rock song. It's by well, a band, not it's by a band and not by like a, a rapper or anything. So I don't yeah, know yeah. Is the lead singer of the band an actor? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he did not. Okay. He did not play the. He did not play the Joker. <laughs> Uh, the lead singer of the band is annoying, though. Okay, let's see. The name of the band is the opposite of what their music is. It's an antonym for what their music is. No, I don't got it. All right, it was fun. It was uh, oh, we are man. we are young by fun. You know that song goes Toria. We yeah. are called Toria. Yeah, you know the song. Yeah, Toria. That was number two. <laughs> Got knocked off did by it ever Goat hit Number one. It did. It got knocked off oh. by Goat Ye, somebody that I used to know. Which, oh nice. my God, what a what a who's who of shitty white people music uh, <laughs> that was happening at this time. There should be a statue of me not like committing an atrocity while those two songs were number one and two respectively. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah. our film this week. We thought um, America's going through a tough time now. Yeah, I'll say. You, you like all these like fucking zoomers like oh covid times this is our great <laughs> depression it's like yeah you get to listen to wap while i had to listen to fucking uh goat yay's somebody that i used to know and fucking Toria. yeah fuck you fucking little bitch <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hear uh Ryan Seacrest now. All right, and number one this week, knocked out by uh, Goatye, is <laughs> knocked Ta- off the top. Yeah. The number two song, which was knocked off by Goatye this week, is Tori. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, our film this week is A Little Bit of Heaven, starring the, I guess some people like her, Kate Hudson. And. Hey. Yeah, good for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kate Hudson. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, Peter Dinklage. I, I, I do want to say, I feel like one of the gateways into a movie's soul is where the film got its title. Oh, yeah. And this movie got its fucking title. And I think this might be like the most, I don't know, like insignificant way a film has ever been named. This movie got its name from the male stripper slash gigolo that is hired to seduce the antagonist, who is only in one scene in the movie, <laughs> the little person male stripper slash gigolo that is hired to seduce the lead. That is who the movie is named after. <laughs> yes, yes. Peter Dinklage says, yeah, they call me a little bit of heaven. So. You're not interested now, yeah. but I think after you hear what they call me. Yeah, so me yeah. listening to Goat Yay, and and fun and uh, taking a lot of like fentanyl at the time. I was in a little bit of hell. <laughs> oh man! Just evil Peter Dinklage or Vern yeah. Troy. Vern Troyer was my gigolo, and I was having the exact opposite experience in my film called A Little Bit of Hell. Yeah, coming soon to theaters. Pulled out the kickstand. Yeah. So, a little bit of heaven, 2011. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. <laughs> um, it's the story of Kate Hudson, Marley Corbett. She's this, like, very... She's supposed to be, like, quick-witted and humorous. Nothing she says the entire movie is funny. And they keep trying to play up that she, like, plays things off with humor. But she never, ever says anything funny. So I'm like, she's just playing things off with, with these weird asides. She's not actually saying anything funny. And then you get to, like, you hear other people talk about her in the movie. It's like, oh, you're dealing with all of it with humor. You're like, well, I'm like, well, she's just saying shit. <laughs> she's not being yeah. funny. Yeah. So, yeah, she shuns commitment, responsibilities. We get her initial boyfriend, Doug, who she dumps as soon as he says he wants a serious relationship. Did yeah. you recognize who Doug was? I did not. Doug was Leon from the shitty Resident Evil Retribution film, Leon S. Kennedy, which continues the uh, the fun tradition of this podcast, having actors from the Resident Evil film <laughs> franchise. Um, I, I have another fun aside here that I work, I've been working on a, 
I'm going to do a Kevin Bacon through line of all the films we're watching. Oh, yeah. 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 So I have it here. I'll read it out loud. So the first film we did was Material Girls, which starred Angelica Houston. She was in the film Isle of Dogs, which also featured the voice services of Harvey Keitel, who was in Reservoir Dogs with Michael Madsen, who was in Blood Rain, our second film. Blood Rain featured Ben Kingsley, who was also in the film The Love Guru, <laughs> which featured... The uh, amazing acting of Romani Malko, who's in this film as the gay best friend. A little bit of him. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. And that list will only get more and more absurd as we go further. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, can't, can't wait 90 movies in. That's exactly. Gonna be That's going to be podcast. So is it redeemed or not? <sighs> it's 95 minutes of me recounting. <laughs> <laughs> But if, if anyone has a faster way to connect the movies, um, feel free to email us at rottenredeemers at gmail.com and I'll send you a t-shirt if you're the first person who finds a faster path than me. Um, so yeah, feel free to do that, nobody, because there is yeah. no faster path. Um, but yeah, so she's very, uh, she's, she's very like shunning of any responsibility. Um, she has what seem like nice friends which include her sister she babysits her sister's kids um she she's uh, got a good job she's got a very good job yeah her job's like a mark she's a works for like a marketing consultancy yeah she's basically playing the same role that she plays in how to lose a guy in 10 days where she's like this successful single girl that doesn't like relationships yeah they should have called they should have called this movie how to lose your mind in 10 minutes because i was fucking done <laughs> I was out uh, 10 minutes in when she's given the spiel about how to sell condoms. Like You need to sell condoms to women. You're selling condoms to boys. And you should sell condoms to women, you dingus. It, she's not wrong. I've never met a guy that's like, yeah, I love condoms. Yeah. So. It, is, it is ultimately a female call as to whether condoms are used or not, I feel like. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the... Uh, <laughs> into the semantics of it but uh but that is the smarter way to market it for sure yeah yeah i feel like if a guy has a condom it's just to show off he's like yeah you know you're looking at, i got a jar of condoms or you know i fuck right like i have one in my wallet too like uh, <laughs> it's always it's more Those performative when a guy years, has so one. i'm never gonna use it but yeah i got this back in the scouts <laughs> um but yeah so we've got um Kate Hudson, she's at her job. Her best friend, who uh, is named Sarah, is played by the actress Lucy Punch. I don't know if you recognize oh, yeah. her. Oh, yeah. She's like the best friend slash like evil love interest in a lot of movies. I recognized her as Eve Draper from Hot Fuzz, the one with the annoying laugh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eve Draper. Yeah. We just watched uh, Bad Teacher. She's nice. Yeah. Cameron Diaz is foil in that. Yeah. She's 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 wonderful. I like her. I like her. Yeah. Um, me yeah, too. I was so. very happy with the cast in the movie. There's some heavy Girl. hitters, man. Uh again, yeah. like we mentioned earlier, Romani Malco is her gay best friend. Um he's he's cool. Her her sister is played by an actress who I've seen in other things. She's nice, Rosemary DeWitt. She's pretty enjoyable. She's she does a pretty good job. Um but anyways, uh she ends up uh feeling like tired. Everyone's saying she's like losing weight. She goes to the doctor and in a in a just a, a incredibly tasteful and well written scene, it's revealed that this person has borderline terminal cancer. Um, which is not an out by shitty writers to cover for them not being good at writing. She has she has terminal cancer and that is what this movie's about. Oh yeah. So yeah. I guess I guess I guess I, I, I undersold that. Sorry. Let me let me redo this. <laughs> So she goes into the hospital because she's been like losing weight. She's been everyone's been saying she has low energy. Um, and then she goes under anesthesia to her charming Mexican doctor, Gail Garcia Bernal. We'll get back to him. She goes under to receive a colonoscopy. And while she's under anesthesia, she reaches a Christ-like heavenly plane, very reminiscent of the heaven from Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> she becomes one with the universe, as it were. <laughs> And there she meets Whoopi Goldberg, who yeah. turns out to be God, who appears to her as Whoopi Goldberg. Now, I thought this would be a fun bit, David. If you were going to heaven in a in an anesthesia-induced trip, who would God show up to to make you feel most comfortable? I mean, since in the movie she knew God was Whoopi Goldberg, uh, 
I think at this point in time, my God would be uh, probably like Ryan Reynolds, someone who's going to, who's charming. That's going to, you know, make me feel better about dying. And I would be happy to take wishes from if I had them, if that was an option. Yeah. It would be LeBron James for me. Ooh. Four time. And I will put this in the podcast. Four time NBA champion LeBron James. I am a thousand percent confident that by the time this podcast episode comes out, he will be four time NBA champion. LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. Another that- person that flashed in my mind was Kobe Bryant. And uh, wow. I didn't go there. I was like, no, I'm going to go with celebrity. But Say, uh, that's I how I know I was in hell. Ice. If Danny. If Danny Green showed up, I'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I've gone directly to hell. <laughs> fuck oh, me. Yeah. No, um, so she's under anesthetic. God offers her three wishes. So apparently God is a genie in this universe. So that's yeah. fun. Well, um, I also thought the way that Whoopi Goldberg was dressed, it, it just reminded me of like, they're like, oh, well, you know, this whole, this whole scene worked in Bruce Almighty. So, uh. Yeah. They gave a call to Morgan Freeman, and he's like, oh, I'm going to pass on this one, buddy. And I'm like, well, there's no yeah. black actor we can get to play God. Yeah. Well, hopefully Whoopi Goldberg says yes, or else we're going to have <laughs> to get the lady from Mad TV who used to pretend to be Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that'll be a shame. But anyways, yeah, so Whoopi Goldberg offers her three wishes. Uh, do you remember the three wishes, David? A little quiz time uh, for you. Yeah, she wished fly yeah Ooh. she wished for a million dollars and then yes. whoopi's like all right well no uh kate hudson's like is that gonna be five hundred thousand after tax she's like then god says not even i mess with the irs so yeah irs is more powerful than god in this universe yeah fun what's the third wish don't remember the third wish Ooh. well i i have a i have a bone to pick with the second wish okay i don't think so she ends up getting her money via life insurance policy. Yeah. Are life insurance policies taxable that way? I don't think I don't you can just like apply it. like an income I, tax to a life insurance policy. I think policy. it depends on what type of life insurance policy. Yeah, if I we're think, being realistic, it depends on what type it is. Cause okay, I think like 95% of them aren't taxable. Gotcha. But that, I, I, again, I I've never the, been there. There's like life insurance policies that you pay into that gain interest. And I think that's not taxable, but yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. So Marley um, has to tell her friends that she has cancer. Oh, sorry. What was the third wish? It's to be revealed later. Oh, oh, that's right. That's why I forgot it. Uh, Well, that's why I was trying not to draw too much tension. I was going to have it build tension throughout the episode. I thought I just missed it in that scene. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you weren't paying attention <laughs> um so yeah she um she goes to tell her family we find out we meet her mother uh the wonderful kathy bates who turns out to be the overbearing overprotective mother who who's very worried about her and and wants to like take care of her and is very nice i think that's I, that's a problem i have with this movie is how incredibly nurturing and supportive every single person in this person's life is yeah and she still acts like an asshole yeah yeah um because like yeah they they get into it later like with her dad and stuff it's like he's supposed to be like the least supportive person and even he's just like yeah i'm not good at dealing with this type of stuff but like he's not ever like dismissive or or mean really like (laughs) i don't know it's it's kind of annoying that she uses that as an excuse to like lash out and no one's ever really that bad um yeah her dad's the whole reason for the way she is. <clears throat> yeah, so he's very distant and like doesn't like a deal with like serious stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and they also list Kathy Bates as uh, Corbett as the last name as well, which I was yeah, like, it sounds like the relationship it. wasn't that great. So, and the dad bailed pretty early, is what I picked up. So I'm like, why'd she keep the last name? Yeah. You know, did you do that for your daughter? I, I guess I can understand that, but. Yeah, that that'd be my assumption. She seems like that type, but yeah. Um but yeah, she ends up winning a like a, like a paragliding thing. Oh yeah, radio. hanging out with her friend and calls in and yeah. 
gets her first wish. What's and that's up? her first like tip off that maybe this there's some there's something to it. She wasn't just hallucinating that her wishes have started to come true. Um, so she wins flying lessons. But yeah, and then uh, it turns out and and oh my fucking god, turns out that her fucking sister is pregnant, right? Is 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 Rosemary her sister? I thought Rosemary was her sister. She's not her sister. I thought it was her sister. Okay, she's maybe just married. Just That's why she has a different name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's she's her sister, for sure. Um. So her sister's pregnant, and right there, because they've already been like talking about like how sick her cancer is. I'm like, oh, they're gonna do the fucking lightning crashes thing, aren't they? I'm like, they're gonna have her die as the baby's born, aren't they? These motherfuckers. <laughs> I was like, these sons of fucking bitches. And I was I, I I turned to my fiance as we were watching this. I'm like, oh motherfucker! I was like so pissed. <laughs> I was audibly angry. But yeah, so it turns out she's pregnant with what will be her second child, and then so she starts to get sicker and sicker. She visits her doctor more and more. Julian, the wonderful Gail Garcia Bernal, who I know from Casa de Mi Padre. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, and also when he told her she had cancer. She yeah. like totally laughed at him the first yeah. time. Yeah. And he did it pretty well. Like she's like, Yeah, maybe don't tell people that they're dying. It's like, well, he's like, yeah. it's like it's like that is my job to tell people. <laughs> like I have the worst <laughs> yeah. job. I'm gonna sugarcoat it for you. Yeah, like, he's like, I'm not it's my job to be like honest with you. Like she's like yeah. like maybe learn how to be funny so you don't upset people when you tell them they're gonna die. It's like, well no, yeah, I'm not her, supposed her to make people laugh. Wit, yeah. Her intense wit goes over yeah. so well with everyone around her. her incredible humor um he should be funny <laughs> like her um yeah. and that's kind of a thing throughout the movie but yeah she gets <laughs> sick and then they run into each other like at, at band night at the jazz club yep which um she frequents apparently this movie takes place in new orleans i guess we'd really establish the setting it's not super significant other than the one like the few scenes where they go see the band yeah um i like she, the they, soundtrack though you know the constant jazz music playing it yeah. was very lighthearted movie. Yeah. So there she goes to Jazz Night, which is like her safe place. We've seen her go to Jazz Night earlier in the film. Um it's it's a place she likes to go and then she ends up running into her doctor there. And that's where they have their kind of like meet cute where they run into each other like outside of work. She starts like flirting with him. She's like already been like kind of flirty with him up until this point, but now she's like really putting the screws to him a little bit. She's yeah. really trying to trying to get him. Um and they hang out a little bit. And they, like, go get, like, pizza or churros or some shit. I don't fucking remember. Um, And they go get food. And then he he doesn't want to... He doesn't stay the night with her. He's a, he's a good he's a good boy. He um he doesn't... He refuses her offer to be bedded. And then... um, But they obviously seem to get along. And the next day at work, um, she ends up telling her boss about her cancer diagnosis. And apparently she has this really, really like neato life insurance plan where she gets a hundred, uh, she gets a million dollars, but after taxes, it's $500,000 because life insurance plans are taxed at 50%. That is the way it works, yeah. <laughs> which is exactly the same as her second wish. Now she's like, oh, <laughs> she's becoming a Goldbergian. Um, we, we didn't even talk about uh, Doug's scene, you know? She, uh, yeah. her, when they're building her character, they make her out to be the girl that's down for a guy with big business, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Talking about Doug, and then they take it to the bed, and, you know, her uh, neighbor, what's his name? Romany? That's his real name. I think his actual name is like Pete or Peter. Yeah, yeah. Pete. Yeah. So he, he, she makes it nice and loud for him. But, yeah. you know, that's why she's just that. She's just a fun girl. So she's trying to better her hot doctor. She tells her, she tells her sister, "Bet, yeah. bet your doctor's not as hot as mine." You know, she's yeah. into this dude. It doesn't work out for her. Well, spoiler alert. That's when Pete hires a stripper slash gigolo, right? Oh yeah. By the name of Vinny, who is played by the wonderful best part of the movie in every movie he's ever been in, Peter Dinklage. Fucking amazing Peter Dinklage bringing some life to this dour, awful, exploitative film. Um, Peter Dinklage shows up, and this is where we get the name of the movie, because he is a little person who is a is a stripper slash gigolo. He says that his nickname is A Little Bit of Heaven. So we established oh, yeah. that. So good. This part made me so fucking mad. So um, 
there's this bit here where like she like immediately wants to reject him but then he ends up being like so fucking charming that she like lets him stay and like he's like the only person to like actually candidly talk to her about her terminal illness and they like really really hit it off and get along and he's like the most supportive person and he's like yeah i've i've actually died twice and he like describes this like beautiful transition into death where it feels like like floating which the movie calls back later and he's like the most relatable and close and endearing person to her in this movie and i guess because he's a little person she pretends to fuck him and makes loud noises yeah, yeah. i think they should have fucked i'm i'm just yeah. like i would have fucked Vinny. she wasn't me. dating the doctor there was no she attachment wasn't. there uh yeah yeah they they had hung out once they hung they, out yeah, yeah he had no she right him, she yeah. doesn't fall in love she doesn't have feelings she Her establishes that very early on this movie becomes a good movie if she fucks Vinny. right there. <laughs> this movie that it was its chance to be redeemed from rottenness yeah was if well, she you actually know, fucked Vinny. i think she plays it off it's not like yeah. she tells anybody she doesn't tell pete that she didn't fuck him and he's yeah, sitting but that's there the thing. that's the thing that's the thing though that, that's what annoys me it's like why why lie no, just, just yeah, fuck Vinny. Like Vinny was cool. Vinny was the by points. far, Vinny's by far the most fuckable dude in this movie. He's yeah, the only person Vinny that. Awesome. Yeah, Vinny is so nice and so relatable and charming, and he like actually spends time with her. Like again, like everyone in this movie is great to her. Julian ends up being great to her later. To be fair, her doctor. But at this stage in the film, he's been by far the person who's treated her the best. And, and the idea on. that we're gonna make fake fuck noises. To act like this work, like just, just fuck, actually fuck him, like he you, you fuck did. people all the time. Like, who job. Yeah, this is his job. Let the man yeah. do his job. And yeah. you know, if I'm making a, a death bucket list, that's on it. Like, yeah, I'm fucking Peter Dinklage. If yeah. if you're giving me, if you tell me I have six months to live, Peter Dinklage better hold himself down in a bunker somewhere because that means what you're telling me is I have six months to fuck Peter Dinklage. Yeah, and um, like I said earlier, like <laughs> she's chasing that, uh, you know, guy with the horse cock, and yeah. if there's a chance that Mister Little Bit of Heaven could, yeah, apply a little of the good, good, you know, yeah. I don't know what her deal is at that point yeah. in time. Maybe she's, get, uh, you know, yeah, get yourself, get yourself some pony cock. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyways, they pretend to make fuck noises. He's the most nurturing and wonderful person in the world to her, like everyone in this movie is. But yeah, so he ends up leaving after, like, again, like kind of what's, a, I guess what is an important scene in the movie, because they named the movie after him. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, again, is very strange. <laughs> uh, the, the gigolo that is hired and is only in one scene is who the movie's named after. That's that's a strange loop for me. But, um, yeah. So, I guess that's when she starts, like, getting serious with the doctor after that. They go on a few more dates. Um, she's going through, like, different treatments. Um, and there seems to be some, like, impropriety about what her actual clinical course is going to be and whether or not she's going to get better and how extreme the treatments are and whether or not whether or not she's improving um and this is where my like theory crafting of the film came in because her doctor her like other doctor that's like julian's boss the like lead oncologist he's just yeah. shooting looks at him every time he's like anywhere near her like he's like oh it's like you you better not you better not be getting too close to this patient and he's like, it's like, there's like a history there where he's gotten too close to these patients. Yeah, I guess you could be right. Oh, I was reading super into that. And I, I told, I was telling my fiance this, I'm like, I bet what if, what if like the last four, like really serious, like colon cancer patients he's had, he's, <laughs> he's just like, he's dated them. And then he's like, fucked them in the butt and killed them. <laughs> oh, that's his thing. Yeah. And the, do the other doctor's like, you got to stop doing this. And he's like, oh, I'm just like, what are you telling me not to get close to the patient? I care about the patients. I'm going to get close to the patients. <laughs> and he's just <laughs> fucking them in the ass. It's like, no, just don't fuck them in the Just don't have, just don't have anal sex with colon cancer patients. It might cause them to die. He's like, I'm, you're telling me not to live. You're telling me not to have sex. You're telling me not to treat them. You're telling me to treat them like animals, not like people. <laughs> <laughs> I love the hidden uh, plot that you've uncovered. That was uh, that's what I was told. I was like, oh, dude. 
not they're shooting looks at each other the whole movie he's he's like constantly looking at him don't fucking do it dude don't do it you son of a bitch like don't fucking do it hudson and her attachment issues but it's actually about the doctor that only dates terminal cancer patients yeah it's about the doctor who works in an oncology ward for people with colon cancer and proceeds to bang them all in the ass (laughs) it's like oh it's my only move but it seems to always make them worse (laughs) yeah so anyways uh, (laughs) that's that's the vibe i was kidding Oh, so good. We gotta watch the movie again. Yeah, watch it again and play some like play some like angry slide violin every time they're shooting looks at each other. Um <laughs> But yeah, so she um she's very like angry, very like kinda quasi distant because she's like, Oh, we're not gonna be able to like actually date and she's her sister's very like her sister's like afraid to hang out with her because it makes her too miserable to be around her with the state of her terminality. Um and then I guess they have like an argument at the they go to the zoo eventually right they, they have like a fun like montage where she's living her best life um yeah, yeah i guess that happens first so they have the fun montage where she's living her best life she's, yeah, she's um, watching her niece yeah and she's got mr doctor there yeah and they go to the they the montage ends with them going to the zoo they're an established couple they bang hopefully not in a way that can injure her considering her diagnosis a very um non-tasteful portrayal of like terminal cancer too for like all the alleged chemo and treatments she's on she never ever is like pale and sickly and she always has max energy and is still the same like end of the movie she looks the same throughout the entire film other than the verbal cues that you get from other people well, in that scene, we were at the the zoo, and yeah. you know, one scene she's with her niece, and they're you know hooting at the orangutans, and the next scene she's all pissed off at the handsome doctor. So I'm like, where did this jump go in this specific scenario? Yeah, I again, if we emotional- if we established that her illness and the drugs that she's on to combat her illness had like caused her to have mood swings or something then all this would be acceptable but she's just actively in the context of the story is lashing out at one of the most supportive and genuinely loving people in her life yeah and we're still supposed to think she's cool i guess yeah it sucks i i, I think <laughs> she's one of the most unlikable protagonists in any film i've ever seen yeah and I think that's one of the problems with it. We'll get into that later. Um, so she becomes really like uh, aggressive to all her friends. She like picks on her gay friend. Um, she's like very mean to him and some dude he's talking to outside their weird like Tuscan apartment complex. Um, she's very mean to him. She offers the guy he's talking to her apartment for when she dies. Yeah, like they would obviously move in together. <laughs> A couple lives next door to each. That's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> shit uh we can edit it out uh no nah, i won't uh, this is when uh she starts drinking and she gets she starts riding her bike through the streets like you do and then she gets she is struck by a car and this is when she has her second visit with god well, yeah, God's like preemptive. She doesn't even get hit by the car, and she's already, she's already up there thinking she's dead. And yeah, she's standing up on a cloud like Chris Farley. Whoa. <laughs> Chris Farley would be a good one. He'd be a good God oh, if, I was, if God yeah. was like trying to like endear himself to me and be like, "No, I'm not threatening. It's it's me, God." Yeah, yeah. I don't Chris know if he'd Farley. buy it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'd buy that, it. That's it. It's a good question, though, you know, because that that is probably one of the deepest questions I've been asked all month. It takes yeah. a little more thought than just. Uh, it's true. I should have texted to you before the show. Yeah, it's, it's a, I, I snuck that one up on you. Except Ryan Reynolds. That's like I, I only I watched a video of an interview he did for Detective Pikachu where little kids were asking him questions. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's so charming. I only say so, Chris Farley because he's canonically married to Reese Witherspoon at the end of Little Nicky. Um, so he's obviously a character in heaven, according oh. to the canon of yeah. Little Nicky. So that's why I say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, so she gets she gets hit by a car. She thinks she's dead, but she's talking to God. God like makes her. They talk about like how important life is and the amount of time that she still has and how important it is. She kind of makes her acknowledge that she like actually has feelings for people and she does actually act on those feelings. She can't just push them away forever because she doesn't have forever. I guess that's the arc. I suppose I I, yeah. I had a really hard time discerning what the arc of this film was for her. But yeah, so yeah, she we, goes, we didn't even talk about that. Uh... Like she was doing her trial, some sort of medical trial to try to get rid of the cancer. And then she yeah. kicked it. She's like, no, oh, I quit. Yeah. And but then, yeah, that, that kind of lines up with her first meeting with God. When God says you are going to die, they established that very early on in the movie that yeah, you're going to die. So her not, you know, you never know. You know, she just listened to God. She's like, hey, God told me I'm going to die. So I might as well not do the treatment. There's nothing I can do about this. Yeah. I thought the whole time the movie was going to cop out and make her live. And I was going to be, I was going to be very mad. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, this fucking movie is going to make her discontinue all treatment and be like, no. And then she's going to live because off. of it. Yeah. I, and I was going to, I was prepared to throw my television out of my <laughs> apartment. <laughs> oh, so did that happen? No. Listen on everybody. Okay. Uh, yeah, so she gets in the argument with the doctor. She goes on her drunken bike ride, sees God. God tells her to be more affectionate to everybody. Then she gets shot back down. She's on the bicycle. She hits a fucking fence and goes to the hospital. She The first thing she does is rush to the hospital, go to see Dr. Bernal. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. Dr. Goldstein. Oh, yeah, Goldstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. The Jewish doctor from Mexico. Yeah. Like they all are. Yeah. So good. Uh, well. <laughs> Julian so, yeah. Gold. That was supposed to be a gag, I guess. I, I skipped it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so she ends up spending her last few weeks planning her funeral. Um, she's, I guess. Um, Kathy Bates, who is, again, super supportive. She's like, hey, will you help me plan my funeral? And how... The mom doesn't fucking break down. And she's like, I would love you. She's so excited that her daughter finally wants to spend time with her, which I guess. Kathy Bates, who is one of the people that she's blown up, blown up on the most this entire movie. Oh, yeah. She is like continuously shit on Kathy Bates. You have no cue as to actually why. Yeah. Kathy Bates is like been with her at the hospital. And she's been like, yeah, this this lady's like overbearing and don't let her stay in this room with me. She's fucking annoying. Fuck this lady. Like she's so mean. She's so awful to her the entire movie. And yeah, Kathy Bates offers to help her plan her funeral. She reconvenes their father, the great Treat Williams. Do you recognize Treat Williams? I did. Yes. Yeah. From Deep Rising from the film Deep Rising. (laughs) (laughs) The classic. (laughs) No, it's just a movie me and my fiance watched recently. It's Halloween time. But yeah, uh, Treat Williams, her father. Her her uh, boss is played by Steve Weber, the guy from The Perfection. Classic I'm not going to uh, Treat Williams because he, he leaves her that uh, voicemail on her phone or maybe he called her. Uh, and I heard the voice and I can't think of the guy's name, but I thought it was the, uh, the guy from Princess Bride, the uh, smart... Uh, the smart guy that drinks the poison. Andre the Giant. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah, yeah. The the T Rex from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I'm guy like, fucking oh, rules, dude. And this, you know, that guy walks in and I'm like, oh, I was wrong about that. And then he talks again. I'm like, nope, still sounds like the, that guy to me. Inconceivable. That guy. Yeah, yeah. He that dude fucking rules, dude. Oh yeah. Wallace Shawn, Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn, yeah. Wallace Shawn is one of my socialist brothers, man. He just came out with an awesome book. He's a he's a giant. He's he fucking rules, dude. I love Wallace Shawn. I, I love yeah. him. He's a sweetheart, sweet man. I wish her really? dad was Wallace Shawn. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was really, I was stoked for a minute. I was like, oh man, this guy's <laughs> her dad. He's gonna go get lunch. I was <laughs> disappointed. I'm like, oh, okay. That, that would have fucking rocked so hard. Yeah. So, anyways, she like kind of makes up with everyone, including her gay best friend. She has, I think, what was one of the better scenes in the movie. I'll I will admit when she like apologizes to her friend 
her her friend and like they had their little dance i thought that was like actually yeah, the closest yeah. movie came to being like actually sentimental and not just exploitative yeah um i thought that was okay she gives a bunch of letters to everybody she gives a picture to her mom there at some point early in the story she got a picture frame as like a present for like her birthday or some shit and she kept the like stock picture in it of just some hot guy <laughs> <laughs> which is actually kind of funny and she replaces it with a picture of her and her mom and gives it to her mom. And then her and her friend Sarah are sitting in the park and she feels like she's going to die. And she like starts to die. They take her to the hospital. Like they kind of like do this like weird dramatic thing where they're pretending like Julian won't be there in time. Like he's like swimming. So he's like not answering the phone when they start to call and say that she's starting to die. So like for like, I guess it's to like add this like fake emotional payoff, which only lasts like two minutes. Well, I mean, and it kind of, well, yeah, definitely doesn't last long, but yeah. it's not like she wakes back up. No, yeah, but for- he does make it before she dies. I guess her sister doesn't make it because her sister is oh, yeah. down the hall giving birth. Oh, yeah. Her lightning crashes <laughs> and an old mother cries. Her placenta falls to the floor. Her mother to the baby down the hole like fucking they fucking lightning crashes me i fucking knew it i knew it was gonna fucking happen i hate this fucking movie fucking piece of shit (laughs) fucking uh yeah so the lightning crashes you she dies as her niece is born uh yeah so she she passes on I guess her third wish was that she would fall in actual love. She does with Julian, but then she dies. And then she turns oh, out yeah. her the funeral. She was, oh yeah. What were you going to say something? I was going to say she left him this really sweet voicemail where yeah. she's like, uh, I hope I don't want you to ever love anyone else. Yeah. Um, like you I do. Know it was a joke, but like, that's a really fucked up thing to say yeah. as the last message you leave your lover. Well, if this podcast is the is the last message that my fiance ever hears, <laughs> uh, I too am in the "you're not allowed to love anyone else" boat. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, uh, they they she uh, goes she she has her funeral, which turns out to be a fucking rocking New Orleans funeral. Naturally, um, <laughs> she has this sick ass. Um, back it up a little bit you know oh sorry sorry you want your uh fiance to fall in love again so you have someone that you can fucking haunt for eternity you know nah no nah, i don't want to haunt know. anybody I'm gonna be there i'm gonna haunt that motherfucker no you know we have to haunt i'm not a haunter no, i've i've, I've I, yeah i'm not a, i would not be a haunter i'd be a gengar <laughs> uh yeah so no nah, uh, yeah but anyways she has her New Orleans funeral. Um, they're playing when the Saints come marching in or some bullshit. It's like the beginning of fucking Live and Let Die. Yeah. She wants to be sainted. Yeah, so she's hanging out across the across the river from the funeral. She's like waving at everybody, but nobody can see her. People like kind of like look off in the distance like they can see her, but they can't. It's like the fucking hologram ghost from Star Wars. Um Kate Hudson is just one of the hologram ghosts from Star Wars, and they're just having the party at Endor. Yeah, it's Hayden. Yeah. It's Hayden Christensen, Hayden Christensen, Obi Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and Kate Hudson <laughs> are waving in on this New Orleans funeral yeah. with a bunch of Ewoks. It, it makes me think, like, since Peter Dinklage has died twice and never seen God, maybe he's yeah. you know not so lucky. Yeah. I, I guess the life of a gigolo is not one God looks kindly onto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess a great place to end our commentary. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna lie; it sounds like you didn't like it, but you know it's the way hard. the last couple movies went, I was like, I was pleasantly surprised yeah. with this one. It's hard. Uh, it's hard out here for a pimp, David. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yep. So yeah, uh, I. David, is this movie rotten or redeemed? It was a little redeemed for me. Oh you my! Know, like, hey, you I fucking! Watch I watched it. I'm, I want to watch this with my wife. I, like, I will watch this again. I, this is a romantic comedy that we haven't seen before, yeah. and I'm gonna give this another go. My wife's gonna cry at the end. That's the type of movie I saw it as. 
one of I our favorites is how to lose a guy in 10 days <laughs> to watch the others. So I was like, Oh, Kate Hudson, even though I agree with you, she was very unlikable as the lead. Yeah. Uh, but overall I was happy. With, I wasn't happy with the uh, Dr. Goldstein though. I was like, uh, you know, they keep painting him out to be this handsome guy, but maybe it's just not my type. Uh, I think he's pretty hot. You know? I think he's pretty hot. I like, yeah, well, I like we, you know, it showed in, in, uh, our first podcast that we have different tastes in men. So, yeah, you know, he's not my type. I'm more into Well, I, I'm just a little bit, I think I'm just a little bit more slutty than you when it comes to men. Cause I would have fucked Pierre Dinklage. I would have stayed oh, with yeah. Doug. I would have I'm, never I'm, left Doug. So that's how this movie would have ended for me. And I'm into her best friend, Pete. That's my guy yeah. right there. Yeah. I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have banged every single other male in the movie <laughs> that she wasn't related to. So. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i would have he, he would have uh, treat williams yeah that's treat being the operative in deep yeah. right oh not yeah. in this yeah he would have been deep rising <laughs> like a DiGiorno crust inside of my body <laughs> oh, um but yeah no i i think this movie is not redeemed for me sorry yeah no. it's still a little bit rotten hey. um I, I thought it was a little too exploitative. I thought they were using terminal illnesses a little bit too much of a crutch. Um, I thought Kate Hudson wasn't great. Um, I think she did as well as she probably could have with the material. Well, I really yeah, liked a lot of the actors around her. We're right I, about, like, she has terminal cancer, and yeah. she's just fine the entire movie until the last yeah. minutes. That bothered me. I think I think a lot of the lessons about like living your life to the fullest were like problematic too. Um, because she's shown to like go to all these same bars and do all the same shit before she like gets ill. And I think it really, really would have been cool if she like when she became debilitated, which she never did, if she learned how to like be insightful and actually enjoy the people around her without the noise, I think that would have been like an actual really meaningful arc they could have had with her that they just completely neglected to have yeah yeah because she was that like kind of smart ass like didn't respect people yeah early on and that remained until the last 15 minutes yeah it's gonna be like me that's what i'm gonna do but i they shouldn't (laughs) they shouldn't make a movie about the dickish way that i acted my entire life that's not a movie like that's a movie that deserves to make ten thousand dollars and be yeah, yeah. But you could also like if that's who you are in your day to day, you could have that change at the end. Like that's a tough yeah. call to make. Like I'm positive all the time, so at the end of my life, I could be that bitter guy that's like, "Hey, what the fuck did I do to deserve this bullshit?" So I'd be the one that takes the opposite turn. But you know, you think someone who's an asshole like she was to all her friends and family would be like, oh, I'm dying. Like, this is my last shot to, you know, be the person I was meant to be. And yeah. that didn't happen at all until no, she she, she has she doesn't have a lot of growth. She has, like, acceptance and reconciliation with an incredibly hard thing to reconcile with. But her actual character doesn't change that much. Because she's so incredibly flippant the entire movie that it's not hard to imagine her just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm dead. It's, it's over. It's fine. Like, yeah. so for her to not actually make like a meaningful change to me is, is unsatisfying and and to me the terminal illness is used mostly as a crutch to prop up what would otherwise be a completely unentertaining romantic comedy yeah. with no substance yeah um, and and other than them like blatantly painting her as this super likable character like even like when she tells her boss that she's dying and he's like hey so I'm going to give you this information. That I'm going to tell should... you how to exploit no, the no, life for, insurance system at the wish. company. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. why does everyone like her so much? Like they haven't given anybody, like they have, they don't give the audience the reason why everyone loves her so much. Yeah. No one treats her bad. The only villain in the movie is, is cancer. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no like actual like conflict other than that, like terminal illness is a thing in like human life. Yeah. Um, and also, like, why does she get all this positive uh, yeah. stuff going on in her life? Why does she get to hang out with God and Peter yeah. Dinklage? Is, you know, does that happen floor? to everybody who dies? Does everybody get that? 
I, I don't know. That's uh, like, again, if the supernatural end of the spectrum is that I get to hang out with whoever I want God to be, and I get several wishes to like tie my life up in this nice little fucking bow, then like, yeah. what's the what's the un- other end of the spectrum? Like, because to me, there's no like life is like cr- the cruelty of terminal illness is like a real thing in life. Actually, having visions of Whoopi Goldberg God is not a real thing in life. So you can't well, have that kid. They don't As, give you, like they don't give any substance to why Whoopi yeah. Goldberg is her her God. Like <laughs> she's not like she doesn't have a love of you know um, yeah. sister act or something. That's like it'd be cool if she had a sister job. act poster in her room. That would have been a good <laughs> yeah. setup. Uh, well, no. We don't have that. It's like why is Whoopi Goldberg who you see as God like? Well, because heaven could afford me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just like, I, I don't know. Like to me, the, the reality of the illness is so like stark and aggressive and the supernatural stuff is all skewing towards goodness. And to me, that's some schmaltzy ass shit. Um, there needed to be like actual bad people in her life or actual forces acting against her. Yeah. Um, to make it meaningful to me, um, like I like, because again, like those are things actual people have to deal with without the support of of deities, yeah. um, at least directly in the in the way that she gets them in this movie. So that was that was pretty dissatisfying to me. So it stays rotten for me. Sorry, but it, this is the first yeah, movie that either one of us has ever said is redeemed. So yeah, yeah, for sure. But you yeah. know, now that we're talking about all the issues, there are a lot of issues. But I, I'll, you know, I like. Overall, I wasn't like, oh, this is trash. It wasn't. It wasn't like hard to watch. And uh, the other thing was her best friend. I forget her name, but Sarah. Um, oh Sarah. yeah, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. So Sarah's like, why couldn't you have wished to stay? Alive? Did she ever tell Sarah <laughs> wishes? I'm like, you know, they don't. They don't I, have that scene where she's like, hey, so I saw God. I made, I made that joke when we first were watching. I was like, she should wish to live forever. <laughs> what a stupid asshole yeah um yeah this is uh, god this isn't a genie yeah it's actual who, god know, who wishes for a million dollars you know i thought we learned this yeah. lesson in austin powers yeah. you know you wish for a billion or <laughs> some unrealistic you wish for yeah a trillion dollars <laughs> one one hundred billion dollars <laughs> But no yeah. this is the, but so this is the first movie that either one of us has marked as redeemed so i think that warrants a Release the good from <laughs> little Nikki. Um, this is the first one, so that's a fucking milestone in and of itself. So congratulations to uh, okay. a little bit it of heaven. It was good. It was free to watch. Yeah, fifty percent redeemed. What a milestone! What a watershed moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy with that. So, uh, yeah, David, do you have anything else to say in closing about a little bit of heaven? Uh no, 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 no. Nothing to say other than, you know, my constant complaint about the leading men. <laughs> no one's good enough. That, for you, that's David. three movies in a row where I wasn't happy with the leading man. Even that Tom Brady with a mullet from Blood Rain. Just yeah, wasn't... he sucked. Yeah. yeah. I do agree he sucked. Yeah. Vampire so, punk. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, next week we're doing Darkness. I'm excited. The 2004 film Darkness. Not the darkness. Yeah. So yeah, join us for that. Much. Uh, hopefully, is, is it a horror movie? It would be perfect for the month of October. I think it's a haunted house movie. So yes. Ooh, so excited. Yeah. Darkness is spreading. <laughs> but yeah, uh, peace up, A Town Down. Stay safe. Uh, one Thank love. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Arigato.